We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. Good already. Hadn't worship when wouldn't worship great? Amen. Oh yeah, incredible today. It's all good. You know, in our quest to be um, relevant, Brendan said something in a meeting we were in on Wednesday and I thought it was so fitting. He said, you know, you could either be wide and not have any depth uh, or you can try to just be relevant all the time and be relevant, you're trying to get people to improve their lives. And um, you know, good behaviors um, will produce good, good results for you. They just will. If you practice good disciplines in your life, it'll produce a particular result. And uh, there's, that's, those are good things. And um, so in, our church, in, our, in the church's quest to be really relevant in the, in, the, in the history, especially in the last couple of decades, we've really worked really hard to try to get people to take the application of life, the word of God, apply it, and then make it improve your life. And if you can, you wanna deal with it not only on Sunday, but you wanna deal with it on, on Monday. So we, we learned a lot of applications of the scriptures, which is really beneficial and necessary and needed. But for some reason, I think we've, uh, in our quest to do that and to become relevant and stay relevant and be connected to people and, and for people to enjoy, I think we've lacked a little bit, and, and a lot of this is, I'm preaching to myself, we've, we've kind of watered down a little bit of the supernatural power of the Lord in our you know, quest and in our search to be extremely relevant to help people's marriages and help people raise kids, and all those are important. Gosh, those are, obviously that's the fruit of what we wanna see. However, if we're just trying to teach principles and we really bypass some of the presence of the Lord and some of the supernatural power of God, we will raise up a generation of very intelligent applicators, but really miss the people when the application of life isn't working, how can they draw deep from the well of the power of God working within them, right? So worship then becomes circumstantial when it's all about the relevance, relevance because it depends on how well your life is going determines how well and then how much you're gonna really give into yourself of worship. So we worship based on circumstances. If life is good, we're gonna just smile and worship. If life is really, really bad, we're gonna worship out of desperation. But when life seems to be just okay, and you're making some progress, and you see some lights at the end of the tunnel and things like that, it's a time of almost becoming a little bit more lukewarm. You can just become, I'm going through the motions, and not even knowing you're going through the motions. So the, we, we live in a peak, or we live in a valley, and the Lord can move in those areas based on our, the relevance of what we know the scripture to be, but when things are just status quo and we're becoming sustaining in life is when really things can get us in trouble, right? So when the feet gets knocked out from underneath you, the rug gets pulled out from underneath you, it's kind of a good thing because it forces you to get your balance and to come back up and say, whoa, Lord, I need you right now. And when things are really on top, we can look at God and say, thank you, God, because we know how God, we got us here. But when you're just trying to sustain life's leverage, times get tough. And we can get into a doldrum, if we're not careful, of really what this thing is really all about. I'm not so sure we have to have peaks and valleys if we could learn to be disciplined in the supernatural power of the Lord, right? Where we don't lose it unless we're on top or on the bottom, right? 
I, I've never seen anything like it is today. Well, just for y'all's benefit too, that one of the next purchases we're making our sanctuary doors. Just so y'all know. All right, for y'all back halfers that sit in the back half of the sanctuary, you hear everything that's going on across the hall. So we're gonna, we got bids on them this past week. So that's one of our next purchases is to be able to get those sanctuary doors so we can close them out. They can have their own thing going on over there. It's good to see it happening, but we don't have to be a part of it every Sunday. Amen? So for whatever I was just saying, I lost my train of thought. But... Um, We've come to a place where we've got to experience the supernatural power of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Acts chapter three and start with verse one. I'm gonna read 16 verses and I'm gonna kind of go slow at the beginning so we can get all these verses, but then I I wanna break it down for us in a place where we can hopefully understand it and get it. Acts chapter three, verse one. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame, from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive nothing from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them on the por- in the porch, which is called Solomon's porch, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at all this? Or why so look intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the Just One, and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, here we are, of which we are witnesses. Verse 16 says, and in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Here's what was going on. You gotta think. Jesus had already ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, split open the gates of heaven, put the blood of his own blood on the mercy seat of heaven, 
sanctified heaven and earth. As he was seated on the right hand of the Father, he and he, we know this to be true, he and the Father are one, he said it. Seated on the right hand of the Father with the power on high, in chapter two, the Holy Spirit descended upon the earth like a dove when they were in the upper room and 120 people were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the whole house was filled with the Spirit of God. When the whole power of the Holy Spirit was filling on those people, something forever changed. It wasn't anymore just a spectacle. It wasn't just an anticipation of something that was going to happen. It wasn't just a wonder and amazement of what was going to take place. There was just this, this holy anticipation up until that day because they couldn't do any ministry, not any ministry, because Jesus had already told them, go wait in Jerusalem until, until what? Until the power from on high comes, until you know you are a witness because the sound will come from heaven. When the sound comes from heaven, you will be a witness. It'll be a, a testimony to you. It'll be a notice to you. You'll be put on notice for everybody else to know that from this point on, you will be a witness unto me. A witness what? A living witness that tells and demonstrates that God has now peace between heaven and earth. There's peace between heaven and earth. There's not turmoil between heaven and earth. Somebody on earth has to reconcile earth to be like heaven. So we are now, as Corinthians said and Paul said, we are now ministers of reconciliation, bringing everybody that doesn't know they're under reconciliation unto reconciliation of heaven through Christ, right? So people that are out of balance in the earth thinking one thing, our job is to tell them it's something else. So when something illegal has invaded their life, like sickness, disease, poverty, uh, contamination, whatever it might be, our responsibility as witnesses of the spirit of the living God through the faith of G in the name of Jesus Christ is to go to every person we know and testify, not just tell them, but demonstrate to them anything that's illegally keeping them in bondage has to go. Right? It's not good enough just to tell them. Because we have had a good message for decades. But we haven't always had the right demonstration in the last couple of decades. We've had great message, but we've had to explain away the lack of power. And it's easy to put the lack of power on sin. And we can say, well, there's because it's sin. There's because there's sin. There's kind of sin. But Jesus took away the sin of the world on the cross. So it can't be sin that's greater than Jesus' blood. It can't be greater than the power of the Holy Spirit. What's missing in our lives a lot of time is the faith in the proper thing rather than just us trying to go in and pre press in by the willpower of mankind, trying to manufacture something to happen and hope it happens. It just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. You're not gonna press in based on willpower. You're gonna press in by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the more recognition and awareness you become of the power of the Holy Spirit, through the faith in his name, you're gonna walk in a power that you didn't know you had. Right? It used to be it was a denomination. It's not a denomination anymore. It's now a, a, a kind of people. It's a species in the earth that's becoming aware of heaven living inside. John and James performed the first miracle. John, James, and Peter, on their way to the gate called Beautiful, walking by it into the temple to, the, to prayer, had already been put on notice that after you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, this happens, everything's gonna change because now you don't have to wait to be a witness, you have already summons to be a witness. Yeah. This is your summons. 
When you receive the power and the notice from heaven, you now will be summoned to earth. Everywhere you go. It's gonna cost you something. It's gonna cost you your reputation. It's gonna cost you what people think about you. It's gonna cost you some risks that may not look like it's gonna pay off. It's not gonna make you the most popular. It's also gonna have the potential to make you prideful because some good things are gonna happen and you're gonna be the one doing it and they're gonna think it's you but you're gonna know it's him. Right? So he comes down and all of a sudden they're, they're ready to go. They've got there, they've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They have now are, received their summons to the world for ministry. Jesus is no longer there in the physical flesh. So he's gone. He's absent. So they're looking around going, it was a lot easier when he was here. But now that he's not, we know he's in here. We can't see him, but we know he's here because why? We received the witness. And now that we have the witness, we can't keep trying to get him to come and do it for us. It's gonna come through here. So they get up and they go about their daily business and they're going to prayer and they walk by the gate called Beautiful. And there's a man that's there that probably was there even when Jesus was walking by. He'd been there for years and years and always begging for money. Peter and James and John looked at him and here's what Peter said. I want you to watch this. Peter said, look at me. Look at me. You think you're asking me for one thing, but I'm about to give you something that's bigger than what you're asking for. Are you carrying something bigger than the needs of the people? Is it easier for us to give them some change? If you can give them some change, the Rotary Club can give them some change too. The Lions Club and the Kiwanis Club can all do the same thing. Your, your business can have a drive for money. But he looks at him and he says, I want you to look at me. Take a look. I don't have silver and gold to give you. But I'm going to give you something that I do have that you desperately need that you didn't even know you could ask for. And here's what he said. He didn't say, and I've said this before, and I'm gonna say it again, because when we get ready to, we begin to walk in this realm of influence that the Lord is calling us to, crossing over this threshold, don't get caught up in thinking it's about your volume and your style that's gonna create the results. He didn't look at him and say, like we do today, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, so there before we tag it, temple it, somebody puts a copyright on it, and then we throw it all through the church so everybody begins to copy exactly what Paul or Peter said, are you hearing what I'm saying? Has nothing to do with the fact that he said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, because I've said it a hundred times and nothing's happened. How about you? It's not that, it's not the volume, it's not the style, it's not your inflections, it's not any of those things. What he was telling the guy was, that even when he even said Nazareth was to make a reference to the guy so he'll know what authority I'm getting ready to give you what I have. I'm giving you something that I don't have authority to give you unless this man named Jesus Christ from Nazareth, you know what I'm talking about, from Nazareth, that guy, he was making a point of reference to him. Who? Jesus. And when he made a point of reference to Jesus, he was letting the man know, that's why I'm about ready to give you something you didn't even know you could get. That's who gave me my authority. That man didn't care. He grabs, then Jesus, Peter grabs him by the hand and picks him up. The man picks up and his ankles get strong. As he was being picked up, the ankles were getting strong. Are you following me? 
As he was being picked up, and then his ankles get strong, his legs get strong, he begins to leap and joy, and he's excited. Why? Because Peter just gave him something. How? By the authority, by the name, by the delegation, by the representation of somebody you can't see. I'm not from this world, Peter would have said. When Jesus was doing it, Jesus says, listen, I'm not here from here, I'm, I'm from another place. I'm not doing this based on what you think. I'm doing it based on what I know. It wasn't a formula. Are you with me? And he looks at Peter and says, get up and the guy jumps up and screams and leaps and joy and his bones become strong and the next scripture says, Peter didn't have to invite him into the church. He went with Peter and John and James into the temple. There was no reference that Peter said, you wanna go to prayer? No reference. That'll change your evangelism program. That'll change your outreach approach, right? Because today's church, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do it, I think we should, because there's people out there in homeless, there's people out there that are hurting, and we wanna minister to the people that are hurting. We wanna minister humanitarian to the other people. But let's not confuse humanitarian for spirituality. Oh, right? Because sometimes humanitarian fulfills a need in us. Spirituality will fulfill a need in them. Huh? You know I'm telling you the truth now, right? I'm not saying we shouldn't do both, but we shouldn't do one without the other. Don't let them think they're getting something when they're not really getting anything but love and some support. That really only should set them up, what? For the power of the Holy Spirit. Because they gotta see change. And when they see change take place in their life, you don't have to invite them to church. You don't have to invite them to a Bible study. You don't have to invite them to a prayer meeting. And who comes to a prayer meeting anyway? Come on. If I called a prayer meeting on a Monday night at seven o'clock here, we'd have five people here, and that's because I'd have to have, make everybody come. Right? You can have prayer meetings all over this country. I've been in them. And you, for an hour, they play music, you try to make them enticing, and nobody wants to come to prayer meetings. Oh, well, maybe we just ought to call one, y'all, the holy people here in the city. We to call a prayer meeting. Nobody likes to come to prayer. Why? Because it's hard to sit there for an hour, you know, going, how much, how much can you say to the Lord in an hour? No, you talk for five minutes, and you listen for 50 or 55, and you're in the presence of the Lord, and you walk out fulfilled, right? That's what happens, right? But, but prayer meetings are not well attended across this country. Now, you put on a charismatic worship show, or a worship band, and you've got worship, and you think, and somebody's gonna come up here and dazzle you with a good preaching sermon or an illustrated sermon, you pack the house down, right? People will go crazy, but not a prayer meeting. So this guy goes to the prayer meeting with the, guy, the three of the preachers, and they never invited him into the prayer meeting. He was never invited. Now look what happened. Let's go back and read that, verse five, I think it is, or four. Let's take this apart for just a moment. I got a few moments. So he gave him his, let's go back to verse four. And fixing his eyes on, on him with, with John, Peter said, look at me. So he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and watched. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered into the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. 
And all the people saw, saw him walking and praising God. Verse 10 says this. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement of what just happened to him. What is it in your life that you need to take place that you can't fix by yourself? You're looking for a solution through the lens this way, but you need something to happen so supernatural that if it happened and when it happened, would cause you to be praising the Lord, leaping out of your skin, and it would cause amazement and wonder for the people around you. What would happen, dad, husband, in your house, if it happened to you, what would it would cause your kids and your wife to be wonder and amazement? Mom, dad, what is it that you need in your life that would cause mom and dad and the kid, or the dad and the kids and to go, whoa, or your family, your sisters, your brothers, your coworkers, your, or is everything in our life so manageable that we don't have things that only God can do? Because we've eliminated the options, maybe looking at them now saying, I don't think I wanna do that anymore, or is it that you haven't seen it answered for so long that you've learned to live with the issues of life as if they would never change. So you don't even ask for it anymore. You just become the alms guy at the gate for years and years and years, learning to live with the pain, learn to live with the loneliness, learn to live with the, the, the hurt, learn to live with the empty desire, learn to live with the unfulfillment, learn to, am I, am I talking to anybody? You just begin to learn to live with it's always going to be this way. I'm challenging today. I'm challenging today. Look at us. Peter said, look on me. And when Peter says, you know when Jesus said, Philip said this, he said, would you just show us the Father pretty clear? I've heard you about this, Jesus. Just show us the Father. And Jesus looked back at Philip and said, when you've seen me, You've seen the Father, Philip. When Peter looked at the gate called, at the man called Beautiful, or at the man at the gate called Beautiful, what he basically said to the guy was, look at me. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You can't look, you can gaze and star up in heaven all you want to, but you will not zero in on heaven. Get a telescope, get what you want, you'll not be able to see him. But when you see me, That's true. Next verse, watch this. How I know that to be true is this. Verse 11 says, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to the, them in the porch, which is called Solomon, that was greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Who, who, or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Because Peter could have said this, I'm the same guy that turned on him at the cross not even a few weeks ago. I'm the same guy that walked away. I backslid during the resurrection. That was Peter. I'm the guy that was cussing him out and hanging out with the wrong team. That's me. And John would have had to say, yeah, that was him. 
That was him. He did. He walked off. You guys know what I'm talking about? So if Peter had not have been summoned to receive the power from heaven, Peter would have walked around in condemnation. I'm summonsing you guys today to receive the power of the Holy Spirit through the name of Jesus Christ because you're a species not known to man. We've become common to man, but we've not been, shouldn't be not known to man. You're packing and carrying something greater than you've exercised. We've identified more with the world than we have with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have. We've watered it down, we've desensitized it, we've made it relevant, we've tried to package it, we've tried to explain it, and because of all the things that haven't happened in our lives and the craziness that we witness and see every day, we begin to compartmentalize things and we've watered down the very living existence of the power of God on the earth. No more. It's gotta come up. We gotta, and I'm not talking about a Pentecostalism or a charismatic or a, a full gospel Baptist. I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm talking about a relationship. When they see you, they've seen him. I'm talking about a confidence when they see you, they've seen him. The world will think it's you, but you're gonna know it's him. You're gonna know, Peter was very quick. Why are you marveling at something like we did this in our own God? You're not good enough. You're not righteous enough. You're not powerful enough. You're not smart enough. You're not slick enough. You're not in the right place at the right time enough. It's because he lives inside of you and that's the only reason. And because he chose to take up residence in you makes you special to him. And you can take no credit for it but give him thanks because he chose you. And occasionally he will pour his blessing upon you just to give you notice that I'm blessing you because I love you, not because you've done anything. Sometimes he will remind you of your humanity and then bless you and you be like, oh my God, my humanity makes me sick, but he blessed me anyway, which makes you grateful to him because that's what grace really is. And he pours it on you. Last week we were singing that song, pour, let me pour my love on you. Do you know, oil on you, my love on you. Do you know he pours his oil and love on you? He pours it upon you. That's why we have, see, and I'm really battling with this right now because I see it happen. I'm talking to so many people across the, the country in different churches and different pastors. I talked to a guy yesterday morning. He's from down in Pike County, Kentucky. We were talking. He said, he said, I've never seen so many people that have lost their energy. He said, they just have lost their energy. He said, they start out on fire and they're going to gung-ho and everything and then they just fade away. And then you'll see them again about three years later when they get another burst of energy. That's the American church. That's the American people. We're starters, but not sustainers. Man, we're gung-ho on the beginning. But it's not how you begin, it's how you finish. And how you finish determines how you sustain. And low energy is, cre is creeped in the whole body of Christ. We can, you know, we gotta work with aches and pains. Do you know that? Sometimes I don't feel like getting up in the morning. Do you? But you gotta get up. Amen. Sometimes you don't feel like giving it that extra bit, but you gotta give it that extra bit. Why is that? Because it's no time to sleep and slumber right now. Amen. I'm seeing it happen. And here's what happens, inevitably what happens. 
there's a rise that God's doing and people are in on this wave of God moving and all of a sudden people stand up, they begin to fall away like Peter, Peter out, fall away. They fall away, they move away, they, they, just, they just get tired, they get burnt out, they get, they, they, their body just doesn't want to cooperate. Instead of pushing through sometimes, they just don't do it. And then what happens is a wave of new people come in and I say new people in the, in the job, new people in the business they're in, new people in life, and all of a sudden they come in and they've got this fresh wave. Then by the time over here that people have already get their second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth wind, they come back in the picture and they go, it's not the same place as it used to be. And it's not the same place because we'd be further along if you'd have stayed with the whole course. You would have be too. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who you are. And I love you to pieces. But listen, it's going to go on without you. So will your life. He will go on, she will go on, they will grow up, and one day they're gonna be out of your house while you're still trying to figure it out. Let's move. Ride the rhythm of the wave of the Spirit. I know what it's like, two of my girls have already moved out. They're married in ministry, both of them together, and one brings their kids still here. I enjoy part of that. I love it until they're here all, we had them all, we've had them all weekend. They're out of town. I'm praying them back today after early afternoon, <laughs> right? Just where we are. I love it, but dear God, you know? I'm ready for them to go home, you know? I told her not to stop, don't start, don't even stop your car. I will meet you with them. <laughs> no, I'm, I love them, but dear God, you know, once you get used to life, you know what I'm talking about? You know, one moves out of the way to college and then they come back for the weekends and they're gonna come in and try to change your whole house. Now listen, I'm talking to somebody in here because I'm making a joke right now, but the reality of it is when they're small teenagers and they're young kids in your home, you better enjoy it because they're not gonna stay there long. It is like a whisper. It is like a vapor. It goes so fast and life is expedient right now. I can't even tell you how fast. You tell me I'm telling you the truth. You remember when they were first born and now they're running through your house and now they're running out of your house. And before you know it, they're gone. You have a moment, if you have them in your house right now, to capture those moments and to bring into their existence the reality of a supernatural kingdom of God that they don't even know exists unless you tell them. Don't let the world educate them when you've got them in your home. Are you following what I'm telling you? Guys, it's time. It is so time. I'm, we don't need another family conference, even though we may have a family conference. What we need is to build values and reality of spirituality in the homes of people. When that begins to happen, everything begins to change. Everything. A recognition and an awareness of the power of God. So when Peter saw him, Peter said, when they saw Peter, Peter said, don't look at this as like, it's me. Don't, don't put that on me. Or why do you look so intently at us as though our, by our own power or our own goodness or godliness, we made this man walk? Verse 12, 13, here we go. This is the Jewish people. He said, let me bring it home to you. It's the God of your God, your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate where Pilate was determined to let him go. But you denied the holy one and the just one. And you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You killed the prince of life. Whom God raised from the dead. Here's the real scripture. 
of which we are witnesses. And it's in his name, whose name? Jesus. Through faith in his name, whose name? Jesus. Faith in whose name? Jesus. Has made this man strong. It wasn't my inflection, it wasn't my volume. It's the fact that I know him. I prayed with people and they've been healed and I've never said the name of Jesus. And then at other times, I've rubbed their neck and head raw by saying it a thousand times and nothing changed. I can't explain it to you, but that's how it happened. And I prayed with people exhausted and tired and never even said his name. And I'd get by it after they would get healed. I'd go, and I'd want to go back and repeat what I just did. I don't even know how I did what I did. And the Lord would just correct me and say, you're walking in me. Quit trying to repeat a formula. I cannot be put in a template. There is no formula for me. It's only through relationship. And in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. That's the beautiful part about it. See what I'm saying? Not that you just see, but you know. See, when something happens in your life that's undeniable, the people around you can't dispute it. When you receive a miracle or a supernatural touch of heaven and something amazing happens in your life, people around you can't deny it if they know you. And they know it isn't because you're good because they really know you. Right? And you could say, well, I remember when I sowed that $1,000 seed. I sowed that $1,000 seed and I'm telling you when that, that everything changed. Did they go try to write a $1,000 check? And they're going to end up finding out they just put a $1,000 check in the offering. You can't buy it. You can't make it happen. You can't manufacture it. You can't muster it up. You can't drum it up. It's the relationship. It's what you know. And I'm here to tell you today, yes, the faith which comes through him, it's through him. It's in him and it's through his faith. It's his faith. It which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It's his faith. Whose faith? The man? No, it's his. That man was looking for money. He was looking for dollars and cents. And Peter said, no, no, you just encountered something that it's bigger than you. How many of you believe that Jesus believes that that man could be healed? Right? Do you see any witness or any testimony or any scripture that says that man had faith to believe? If you do, then try to do what that man did to get what you need. No, he's an ordinary guy doing ordinary things, doing common things of life, doing what he always thought he could do, begging for money at the gate called beautiful, wasn't looking to the temple, he's looking for the people that had gone through it. He didn't know what to ask for. He'd already asked for it probably for many years. He was in a custom, he was in a routine, he was in his job, he was standing with a cardboard box that he, and the rest of us probably went into the temple not looking at him, okay? Right? But that day, he encountered somebody 
that was ready to bring him into a place of heavenly realm. I'm asking you, what are you packing? What are you carrying? And do you have the goods inside of you to release into lives of people that places a demand on the faith of heaven? Or are you playing it safe, or are we playing it safe of doing the things that help preserve our reputation in case it don't work and making still wanting people to like us? Are we seeker sensitive? Are we chasing after the presence and the power of God? Are we spending three or four hours a week strategizing evangelism and outreach? Or at the ninth hour, making prayer, becoming a witness? If you're looking for more of God, I got news for you. He's already in there. You might just need to know what you really are packing. And if you think it's gonna be your godliness that's gonna cause somebody else to get healed or not healed, or your lack of godliness to get healed or not healed, I got news for you. You don't know what you're packing. I'm praying that you will walk in a ministry and a life and a lifestyle where you have to explain to others that it wasn't you, it was him. How much of your daily walk and daily life are you a witness unto you or are you a witness unto him? If Peter would have given him money, it would have been a witness unto Peter because I can do that. Right? I could have taken him out for a, a, a meal. I could have helped him up carried him around and walked him in a temple, put him in a, a wheelchair and walked him in. I could have, right? And put him in the presence of the Lord. Where, where and when are we gonna cross over the threshold of things we cannot do? Or are we gonna continue to contain and then contend for the things that we can do? It's time to cross over the threshold. Your kids, your grandkids, your family, your friends, and quite frankly, you are depending on it. And it's time we cross over. I don't wanna make you smarter, even though you'll be smarter. I don't wanna make you a better arguer of the scriptures, even though you'll probably be able to argue the scriptures. What I'm looking for and what we're looking for, and what I feel like the Lord is doing in this season that we're in right now as a, as a body of Christ across the country, what is happening is the Lord is bringing us into a place that he's placing a demand and a clear separation of your good intentions and his power. 
Your good intentions will not bring the results. His power will. Too many people are going to sleep before their time. Too many people are losing that should be winning. Too many people are having setbacks that should be accelerating forward. Too many people are quitting and laying down because they're weary and tired. Am I talking to anybody? Right? Then somebody's got to blow a fresh wind into the body of Christ. That fresh wind that's blowing is going to be you and me. It's an apostolic sound that motivates, propels, compels, and accelerates people in the spirit. Are you ready for it? I just heard the Lord say, somebody this week will sell that house. (laughs) There'll be a contract this week on that house. Mark it down. I don't know who you are, mark it down. And hear what you don't wanna say. You don't wanna say, I hope that's me. If it were me, be, I'd say, okay, Lord, I'll try it. If it's me, I'm, I hope it's me. But my, my, what you're saying to your heart is, Lord, I don't know that I have the faith because I've had some disappointments for that to happen. So God, I'm gonna rely on your faith. You make it happen. Somebody here, they're estranged from their daughter. You're estranged, you don't talk. And even when you do talk, it's contentious. It's just constant strife, and you're going, oh God. And every time you feel like you need to try, you'll try and attempt, but they always pull away, and it, make, it makes it worse. And you think to yourself, why did I even try? So you get this, this little bit of tension, sometimes a lot of tension between. And the people around you are looking at you saying, you know, you're really creating that tension because you're trying too hard. Or if you would just do this, they try to give you all this advice. No, really what's happening, there's there's an issue between the two hearts and the Lord wants to remedy that heart today. And this is gonna be a witnessing to you that you're gonna see a change that you did not manufacture or initiate. It's gonna just happen because the Lord is gonna do it because I just said so. I just prophetically spoke it into your life If that is you, you need to hang on to that thing and watch it change. And I heard someone, the Lord just tell me, there's somebody in here that you haven't met, it's the end of the second quarter, first quarter, you haven't met the numbers that you wanted to meet on your job. You set some lofty goals and you haven't hit them. And you're thinking to yourself, God, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of pressure. It's this thing, but, but I'm looking for a better second quarter. I'm looking for a better, re, better result. I'm looking for, and the Lord says, if you'll just have faith in him, trust him, he will bring business, clients, and sales in your life that you can't even imagine, nor will you be able to take credit for. You're gonna know it's him. You didn't meet your numbers in the first quarter that you anticipated, but the second quarter you're gonna meet them. And it's not gonna be you're meeting them because you're doing better, it's because he's doing something that's blowing on your business. And I heard, just real quickly, I just saw three pops in my head. One went this way, one went this way, one went this And I know I'm sounding like I'm crazy right now, but I probably am. But I saw three promotions. Three people in here are going to get promotions on your job 
going to be a substantial promotion on your job. One might even require a, a, a move, but you're going to do it. It's right. The Lord's laying it out for you. Three of you. Major promotions. Would you stand with me, please? bow your heads and close your eyes. Just give me one or two more minutes. I'm just hearing the Lord. I just want to speak into your lives. somebody in here that's been having trouble with their eyesight and, and you haven't really said a whole lot to anybody but you just kind of occasionally you just feel a, a blur uh, maybe even maybe even just get a little dizzy at times I'm not sure what that even looks like or means to you but I've, you're just feeling a little bit there's just, you, you don't know if it's stress or you don't know if it's pressure you don't know if it's something physical and, you, and you're kind of person that don't really cause a lot of waves with yourself and you just kind of disregard because you have a a high pain tolerance and you just kind of discount it and it just comes and goes but it's been kind of weighing on your mind just a little bit more because it's happening more frequently I'm telling you right now in the name of Jesus Christ that assignment that is on your eyesight from the enemy I cancel it in Jesus name It's to cause fear and worry where you become so internalizing that you're even thinking of it so much now that you're kind of concerned something might happen. It's the, it's the, it's the eyes. I cancel it in the name of the Lord. I also heard the Lord say that if somebody has some grandkids, you have your kids, or you have grandkids, but your, the, the husband and wife, your daughter or son, or the marriage, and you've kind of been worried about it a little bit because they've got babies or a baby, and you're kind of concerned that things aren't going the way they should go for your child because now they're parents and they've had some tough times and some struggles. And you, sometimes you wonder, gosh, how's it gonna turn out? I'm here to tell you that the Lord is involved in that situation, deeply in that situation. And all he says for me to tell you is to encourage those kids because they're learning how to grow and depend on him. He said, don't rescue them, encourage them. He said, I'll rescue them, you just encourage them. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name that's above every name, it's in that name, through authority in that name and through faith in that name, that we stand before you today, this last day of March in 2019.
We declare that you are the Lord, you are the King, you are our Savior, you're the light of the world. You're the bright and morning star, you're Alpha, Omega, beginning and ending, the first and the last, and all in between. You're the lily of the valley. You're our rock, the horn of our salvation. The bishop of our soul. You love us more than words can express. You care about us more than we could ever imagine. And now you're growing us up and sending us off and out to be witnesses unto you. And God, many of us don't know what that looks like or what that even means. We're zealous, we'll try, we'll do what we say we can and we'll step out. But God, we're gonna need your power of your Holy Spirit. So I'm asking, Father, in the next week, 10 days, would you visit each person that's under the sound of my voice? I'm asking you to give them a confirmation, a nudging, an awareness. Wake them up in the spirit, Lord, that they can see, hear, feel, touch, sense your very presence. Give them the confidence and the boldness, God, from that encounter, that experience, to let them know, God, you're with them every step of the way. Pour out your spirit upon your people, Lord, and let us be the receiver of that spirit and know, God, what you're intended us for us to do. We're excited about what you're going to do and where you're taking us, Lord. We're uncertain about a lot of things, but we're confident about many. We're managing the tensions of heaven and earth and trying to figure out how it all balances out together. How to be a father, how to be a husband, how to be a son, how to be a worker and all. All that, Lord, we're trying to figure all that as our step, but God, you're not gonna leave us empty-handed. You're gonna guide us every step of the way. So teach us, Lord, as you promote us and let us to be effective for you. We bless you and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. See you all Sunday or Wednesday night.